Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Uh, today we have uh, three panelists, but before I introduce them, I want to extend our deepest condolences to the Capitol Police Officer uh, Sicknick, who died in the line of duty protecting our nation. And we have got to make sure that we preserve this democracy at all costs. It is something that we uh, hold dear to our hearts when we raise our hands and become service members. It's something that we must always remember, that we are to fight against all enemies, foreign and domestic, anyone who would try to topple our democracy and our right to be established as a country that is leading the world. We must um, hold these people there in our heart. There were several other people who died in that uh, event as well. And we must make sure that we reunite this nation and get back on track to being the kind of place we can be with the democracy that we have been leading the way with throughout the world. Uh, coups have occurred in the past. Uh, there was one coup that happened on the 10th of November, 1898, in Wilmington, North Carolina. It was successful. It was led by a former Confederate colonel and U.S. Congressman Alfred Moore Waddell. Uh, he led 2,000 white supremacists. They were um, enraged by... Uh, uh, Negro domination uh, in local politics. Um, the mob uh, torched the offices of Wilmington's black-owned newspaper, The Daily Record, and uh, murdered dozens of black people that day. We cannot allow this kind of thing to happen in our country. Uh, we were better than that, and we have to got to push forward unified as one people. So um, I just want to make sure that we are uh, looking at this, and there are some great articles in Live Science where they got that information from. Uh, so make sure that you uh, educate yourself on this issue and realize what a, a coup really is. It is the overthrowing of a, go a government. And coup d'etat, which is French, actually means stroke of the state. So that's a, straight, a state where it becomes paralyzed. Uh, so we've got to make sure that we protect those things and ideals and democratic principles we hold dear to our heart. I'm going to move on to the panelists. Natasha Nichols is an internal medicine doctor at Jesse Brown VA. And we also have Michael Lackey, a U.S. Air Force veteran, emergency manager, and coordinator of the COVID vaccine clinic at Jesse Brown VA. And we also have Richard Rooney. He is a U.S. Air Force Reserve, Army Reserve veteran, co-coordinator co of the COVID vaccine clinic, and chief of pharmacy at Jesse Brown VA. Our discussion today will be about the COVID vaccine and Jesse Brown VA. Welcome, welcome, <laughs> welcome to each of you. Uh, it's great to have you on the show. Uh, uh, who would like to lead off and tell us what is going on with the COVID vaccine uh, clinic at the Jesse Brown VA? Well, this is Mike Lackey as the coordinator of the yes. vaccine clinic at Jesse Brown. I can start this discussion. Okay, sure. 
So when we when we realized that we were going to have vaccines uh, in the near future show up for our veterans and our employees, we we started a process of how to efficiently and effectively distribute those vaccines as they arrived. And I had some experience in a former university setting where we vaccinated 23,000 students for meningitis in four days. So Mm -hmm. we adapted that process that I had learned was very effective in that university setting to our hospital. And so a few weeks before vaccines were due to be approved and distributed, we formed a group. We talked about some best practices, assembled our team, and created a proven process, just recreated this proven process that we used at the university setting to first vaccinate our employees who are very at high risk of communicating uh, the COVID virus, and then also adapting that same process for our inpatient veterans and our outpatient veterans that are most at risk. And where we are right now is that we have vaccinated most of our employees who wish to have the the vaccine and we've started the process of our most at-risk veterans okay. both inpatient and outpatient mm-hmm. um, and as that vaccines get more available to us we will reach out to those veterans um, make appointments through phone calls and through letters we'll start with the stratification that the CDC and the federal government and the VA has said that we will follow you know through certain disease groups and then through certain age groups that are most at risk and we'll vaccinate as many veterans as we can in in the uh a period of time that we have in the vaccine available to us oh fantastic uh which which vaccine are you using are you using the pfizer or the moderna at this point um we have the moderna moderna vaccine at jesse brown Yes, uh, that's a very effective vaccine uh, f- uh, from all the studies I've been reading. I'm actually on the State Board of Health right now and helping out uh, the Illinois Department of Public Health with mass vaccination planning. And um, from all the studies I've read, this vaccine is a godsend. Uh, we are really lucky, and we're really lucky we have a, uh, a, a VA system like Jesse Brown VA you know, uh, out there making sure that people do get vaccinated. I am uh, really proud of uh, the accomplishments you've had thus far. Uh, so who who's actually eligible for the vaccine at this point? Because you were saying that uh, we um, have gone from the people who are actually the caretakers. We have to make sure we protect our health care workers. Without them, we have no protection, right? Um, That's so, correct. <laughs> and so we the- ha- oh, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... We were, we were given some guidelines from the CDC and from VA federal government that said which healthcare workers were supposed to be given the vaccine first. And we've run through those stratifications, those that work directly with COVID patients and congregate living centers were the first to receive. And then as we worked through that group of employees, healthcare workers, we then moved on to those other healthcare employees who had direct patient contact. And then ultimately, we have offered it to every one of our healthcare employees. But then there are certain medical uh, illness groups within the veteran community and our inpatients in particular that we started vaccinating uh, along with the, the employees at the same time. And the next two stratifications are a group of very um, intensely ill, at-risk patients that are outpatients receiving treatment. And then we'll work through the age stratifications, which are the older than 75, which will be the first. As soon as we have vaccine available, we'll start vaccinating those. We'll contact those. And then it moves to the 65 and older and the 55 and older. And again, as vaccine becomes more available to us, we'll reach out to each one of those subgroups 
those uh, most at risk and vaccinate as many as we can. Oh, fantastic. I mean, that's a, a major accomplishment because, you know, the vaccine actually this got the uh, emergency youth authorization not too long ago. And you've already vaccinated that many people. We're not talking about one or two people here. We're talking about entire staffs. Right. I mean, this is uh, amazing. Well, that's correct. Yeah. And so, Natasha, you know, tell me a little bit more about what you're seeing, Dr. Nichols, uh, about the, uh, you know, the, uh, the problems that you're facing as a uh, clinical care provider or uh, what are the things that you see as being uh, essential for people to know about this virus? I think that's a really good question. From the patients that have asked me about the coronavirus, I think one of the main questions that comes up is, what, how does the vaccine work? Um, and so I'm able to speak on that. Um, another question patients have is about the vaccine being rushed. And I think we can also address that question as well. But I'd like to speak about how the vaccine actually works. But I think once people hear that, it may alleviate some concerns that they have about the vaccine. Um, and so the way that I think about how the vaccine works is that it contains instructions or a cheat sheet that mm -hmm. tells your body a product to make. Um, our bodies use instructions in the form of mRNA on a daily basis when you make hair or when you make new blood cells, just to give you a couple examples. Um, but in this case, after you get your injection, your body or your muscle cells will make a small product called a spike protein. Mm -hmm. And this spike is a key part of the surface of the coronavirus, and it allows your body to train your own immune system, your fight squad, as I like to call it, to be stronger, faster at recognizing any foreign virus in the future. So instead of being caught off guard and fighting a very dramatic fight, your immune system is able to quickly silence the virus so that you either one, don't catch the infection at all, or two, if you catch it, it's a milder version. Yeah. So I think that's a main question a lot of patients have is, that I'm seeing. Yeah, and I see, I see a lot of people talking now about the, um, you know, the different variants that are coming out now, um, you know, and we have genetic drifts and genetic shifts uh, with the virus. I always analogize it to being in a boat. And, uh, you know, like in a rowboat and you're just being hit by uh, little waves and your boat moves, you know, slightly over to the left or slightly to the right. And, and uh, a, that's a drift. But a shift is when it, you take that boat out of that uh, lake and you throw it into the ocean, right? It's a whole mm -hmm. different, different scene there. And uh, so, you know, people are worried about those two things, uh, you know, the South African variant and the United Kingdom variant. But this, this uh, I, I believe this... Uh, this is supposed to cover both those as well, right? Those variants. This, this, this is Dick Rooney, and the, this is supposed mm -hmm. to cover those variants. Mm -hmm. And the other thing, I know some people were a little concerned with the speed with which this came to market. Mm -hmm. We'd alleviate that a bit too. The there's actually two physicians for the Moderna, their husband and wife, and they had the technology that was used in other areas, as as Doctor had said, and they literally really quickly put that to use and partnered with Pfizer to make it. Uh, readily available. Oh. And the EAU, while it was approved by the FDA, they took extra precaution of having a panelist of 24 subject matter experts, um, leaders in the field that were not in the employ of the VA, and that was an added 
panel just to ensure that everyone knows that it's science and not fear and it is safe. It's about 95% effective and the, so far the side effects have been relatively minor. So it's very safe and it is effective and they had the oversight of 24 experts in addition to the FDA. So. Yeah, and, and, and in that process also there was a lot of um, bureaucratic entanglements that normally go out with the, go along with the production of a vaccine. And from what I understand, they really uh, got past all that paperwork and those roadblocks <laughs> that uh, normally uh, come up with, uh, you know, scientific advancement when people are doing things. And it wasn't really done at, uh, the, the actual process wasn't, uh, so much warp speed as um, they were really taking a lot of caution, precautions and care, as you were mentioning, uh, which is really, uh, it's amazing what technology can do now. And uh, I was telling people, you know, I have an iPhone 10 and I want the 14, and I'm not so worried about how fast they produce it as long as I get it. <laughs> um, right. But, uh, and it works. <laughs> so uh, that's, a, that's a really a great thing that uh, you're bringing up that point. Um, and one one other thing, sir, I'd like to add. Sure. This is one case where being a little older, it, it's an advantage, because <laughs> with the side effect profile, they found those 18 to 55 actually had a little bit higher side effect profile, still minor, mm -hmm. but those 55 and older and the older you got, the less the immune system kicked in uh, harshly, so they had fewer side effects in the older patients than in the younger patients. And yeah. And that, that's a really important point, is, is, is that you're actually a little bit more protected. And I, I was looking at the CDC website, and they were mentioning that they have administered about 5.3 um, million doses uh, nationwide. And what they are reporting is about 29 cases of, you know, uh, anaphylaxis, um, uh, about 11.1 per, per 1 million people. So uh, if you do have allergies and those kinds of things, you, those precautions you have to discuss with your provider, um, and uh, they can be still administered in a pretty safe environment uh, to make sure that uh, you don't have, uh, you, know, an, you know, a terrible uh, reaction to uh, anything, even if it's one of those rare, rare instances where you do. Uh, so uh, this is something we know about, right, uh, is as a vaccine. Um, what, what, uh, so veterans, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about, too, is the um, issues about misinformation, mistrust, and then uh, people also have, uh, and they also have the, uh, uh, the question about, um, you know, myths that are out there. And uh, uh, one thing I thought that was really important is that, um, you know, the men in uh, the Tuskegee experiment were diagnosed not vaccinated with syphilis, right, and followed without treatment. And I see there's, there's a kind of a correlation between the Tuskegee experiment and the avoidance of taking COVID-19 vaccination. Uh, in both instances, a person is not receiving an intervention, penicillin for syphilis or a vaccination against SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19. Um, and that seems like that would prevent the unfolding of the natural course of the disease. Um, and, and in effect, not choosing to receive the COVID-19 vaccine is analogous to a reenactment of the Tuskegee experiment and that you would just be watching the unfolding of the natural disease process without a treatment intervention. So this is why it's so important for our um, uh, people to get involved with this. We're seeing a, a deeper impact in the African-American community and our veterans. 
we've seen many uh, veterans die as well. So we, we definitely need to do this. I, I'm, I'm actually going to be get, coming there at some point to get my vaccination at the Jesse Brown VA. We want to do a live show there uh, to show that veterans that this is something that's important, that you need to get this um, done. And I'm so glad that we have such experts like yourselves over there. Uh, but and, we're I, running and, sir, sir okay. I'd like to okay. just say we're very happy and pleased to be on this program because your your radio station is a key thing to get the information out, and we definitely want all veterans to, to get this, mm-hmm. and and we're happy you're doing it. And I'll just mention that the two co-vaccinators, uh, myself and Mr. Lackey, are both veterans, and we both volunteered for the Janssen study, or Johnson & Johnson. And, oh, uh, yes, that's important, yes. Yeah. And we're waiting for the results of that. I hope it's a good one because yes. it's a one one shot only, and yes. it's got much easier logistics with refrigeration only. So we're hopeful that it'll be good. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.